Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets And non-token lovers of liberty It is Wednesday, April 6, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us here for another great show on this Hump Day episode of the Russ Bellville Show. Coming to you live and direct from beautiful Portland, Oregon. We're at the 26th floor on the south waterfront overlooking the Willamette River. It's a gorgeous day. I'm looking out one side. I can see Mount St. Helens in the distance. I'm looking out the other side. I can see Mount Hood in the distance. Skies are clear. The temperatures are rising. It's a great time to be in Portland, Oregon, and it's a great time to be listening to the Russ Belleville Show because we've got a great guest joining us on the show today. Vincent Medizaday from the book Humor Rising will be joining us. He is the man who founded Medbox. You may remember Medbox, the uh, medical marijuana vending machines, became a billionaire, lost it, and is now starting over again. He's got a, a very compelling story, having been born in Iran under the uh, Islamic Resol- Revolution of the late 70s, emigrating to the United States and rising from rags to riches and now rising again. It's the story of his book, Humor Rising. We'll talk to him in our Reformers Reader. Also coming up on the show, we'll have time for a radical rant about the use of drug testing technologies and uh, driving safety out there and how we may have to face the unpleasant fact that the marijuana breathalyzer is on its way and we might not be able to stop it. Also coming up on the show, we'll have time for some drug war data mining. We got some interesting results coming from a cardiology presentation that shows marijuana smokers have better survival rates following heart attacks, uh, specifically within the hospital. And uh, we'll discuss those findings in Drug War Data Mining today. Also, in behind the headlines, we'll have a time to take to we'll have time to take a look at a bill in the state of California that was seemingly written specifically for one man to get involved in the marijuana industry, legally speaking. Uh, We'll take a look at that controversy in behind the headlines, and that comes right after our Cannabis Radio News. And in the news today, the Drug Enforcement Administration has indicated it will make a decision on rescheduling cannabis sometime before the end of 2016. We've got medical marijuana failing to advance in Lincoln, Nebraska. In Michigan, a Grand Rapids lawmaker uh, sentenced to jail for possession of marijuana. We'll go to Parachute, Colorado, where leaders there will no longer be facing a recall effort. The soccer star Abby Wambach has admitted to using drugs in her past. That's thanks to her recent arrest in right here in Portland, Oregon. A DUI, and there's a company in Minnesota trying to get people off of opiate prescription painkillers and on to cannabis. We'll bring all that to you, plus more in hour two, Toker Talk Radio, coming up in the second hour. I'm Radical Russ. Stick around, we'll be right back after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, April 6, 2016. Washington, D.C., The Drug Enforcement Administration has indicated it will announce its decision on rescheduling cannabis before the end of President Obama's administration. In a letter from the heads of the DEA, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the Office of National Drug Control Policy, the so-called drug czar, the DEA has received scientific and medical evidence from HHS and will announce their determination of cannabis's scheduling, quote, in the first half of 2016, end quote. HHS has issued a scheduling recommendation to DEA, but the contents of that recommendation were not revealed. Cannabis is currently a Schedule One drug alongside heroin and LSD, making scientific and medical research nearly impossible. Rescheduling a drug from Schedule One to Schedule Two would help facilitate research and may ease banking and financial restrictions, but it has only happened five times in the past, according to the Brookings Institute. Lincoln, Nebraska. Attempts to pass a limited medical marijuana bill in the unicameral Nebraska legislature failed when the legislators could not break a filibuster against the bill. State Senator Tommy Garrett of Bellevue, the sponsor of LB 643, needed 33 votes to end the filibuster by State Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg. In the end, he got only 30 votes, with two senators not voting and two senators absent. The bill would have established a program similar to New York and Minnesota, where patients cannot grow their own cannabis and have access only to non-smokable preparations of marijuana. 
Grand Rapids, Michigan. A former state lawmaker from Grand Rapids caught with marijuana has been sentenced to 45 days in jail. Roy Schmidt apologized Tuesday and asked Kent County Judge Donald Johnston to consider his many years in office. He says he served the public, quote, in the best possible way, end quote. Schmidt pleaded no contest in January, months after police seized three pounds of marijuana and 71 plants. Earlier, he had claimed protection under Michigan's medical marijuana law, but the judge says Schmidt knew he had more pot than allowed. Schmidt served on the Grand Rapids City Commission and then in the Michigan House. He was defeated in 2012 after he switched to the Republican Party. Schmidt changed parties just before a filing deadline and tried to have a political novice run against him. Parachute Colorado. Leaders who voted to allow marijuana businesses in Parachute will get to keep their jobs. Voters rejected a bid to recall the town's mayor and two trustees on Tuesday in one of many local elections held around the state. The leader of the recall effort also failed to win election to the Board of Trustees in the town of about 1,000 people between Grand Junction and Glenwood Springs. The town passed a ban on marijuana businesses in 2013, but trustees voted to reverse it last year to try to diversify the economy and increase tax revenue following a decline in natural gas development. Portland, Oregon. Retired soccer star Abby Wambach admitted to once trying cocaine and smoking marijuana some 10 years ago, according to court documents connected to her arrest on a misdemeanor charge of driving under the influence of intoxicants. Wambach, who won a World Cup with the U.S. national team last summer, was arraigned on Tuesday in Multnomah County Circuit Court. She was not present, but her attorney entered a plea of not guilty on her behalf. Officers wrote that Wambach first used marijuana at age 24 and her last use was as age 25. It also states, quote, the defendant tried cocaine at age 25, end quote. She was arrested on Saturday night after running a red light in Portland, Oregon, where she lives and charged with driving under the influence of intoxicants, alcohol. (laughs) Minneapolis, Minnesota, a Minnesota medical marijuana company is leading the way in creating an opiate replacement protocol based on medical cannabis products. Dr. Kyle Kingsley, CEO of Vireo Health, announced the development of Freedom, which stands for Flexible Reduction and Expedited Discontinuation of Opioid Medications. The program aims to slowly replace oxycodone, morphine, and other toxic addictive painkillers that have led to over 14,000 overdose deaths annually, according to the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Dr. Kingsley told the Duluth News Tribune, quote, As an emergency medical physician, I saw firsthand that opioids are overused, frequently abused, and too often the result of fatal overdoses. We view this protocol and the data that will follow as a first step in combating this public health crisis, end quote. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, April 6, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. 
The time has come to end prohibition of marijuana in Vermont. It's time. It's time. It's time for marijuana sales to take place in regulated businesses and stop taking place in our neighborhoods. It's time. It's time. It's time to create rules for testing and labeling marijuana so that consumers can know what they're getting. It's time. It's time. It's time to stop punishing adults for consuming a product that's less harmful than alcohol. And spend more time addressing serious crimes. Prohibition has failed. It's time for a more sensible approach. S-241 would end prohibition. And regulate marijuana in Vermont. We are ready. We're ready. We're ready. Who ready? We're ready. Vermont is ready. Contact a representative now and ask them to support S-241. It's time to end prohibition and regulate marijuana in Vermont. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. Today in Behind the Headlines, we take a look at a story that has appeared on the Los Angeles Times, and it's referring to a bill that has been introduced in the California legislature. And to set this up, I want to talk a little bit about some of the difficulties that felons have getting involved in the cannabis industry. Most of the states that pass marijuana legalization, in fact, all of them, as far as I'm aware, have passed it with certain caveats and limitations as to who can get licenses in the newly legal marijuana business. Now, most of the time, these refer to having a limit on whether or not you've got a felony on your record. Now, the idea behind this is when you're trying to sell legalization at the ballot box, you want to make sure that people see it as being a legit endeavor, as being something non-criminal, and not something that is some sort of trick to allow drug dealers to continue to peddle their wares uh, as they have been. Now, obviously, when you legalize, drug dealers become legal too. But the point is, is that it, they want to avoid the appearance of allowing felons and, and dangerous people a way into the newly legal marijuana market. So most of these laws, when they're passed, they say if you've got a felony on your record, uh, a past drug felony, within the past five years or two years or whatever the, the number is, then you're not qualified to be able to get a license. Now, this is problematic in a general sense because the people who are more likely to have a felony on their record are more likely to be black or Latino just because of the disparate policing inherent in the drug war. So this sets up a de facto situation that makes the marijuana industry, the newly emerging marijuana industry, systemically racist because fewer black people are able to apply for these licenses because they're the ones who got caught when it was illegal. And I've, I've said before how little sense this makes. 
if the point of legalization is to bring marijuana commerce out of the shadows and tax it and regulate it and make it legal and have these people not be criminals anymore, why in the hell would we want to create a system that bars them from becoming legal? It makes no sense from their point of view of being people that are in a criminal underworld that want to be legit, that want to pay taxes, that want to follow rules. And it makes no sense from the industry's point of view of keeping the best trained, best talents in horticulture and marketing and sales out of the business. It it makes no sense from any perspective to do this on a very general scale. So that's the setup. But now let's take a look at this bill. This bill in California has been sponsored by Rob Costa. He's the uh, assemblyman from Oakland, or is he a senator? I forget, but from Oakland. And the bill is a way to deal with these restrictions that were instituted thanks to the new medical marijuana laws that Governor Brown signed recently, the MMRSA. And under these new regulations, it says people that have a drug felony in their background cannot get these licenses. Now, this is where in the story, one particular gentleman gets uh, added, and that is Steve D'Angelo. That person is Steve D'Angelo. Now, you know Steve D'Angelo as the founder of Harborside Health Center. He is uh, running the world's largest medical marijuana dispensary there in Oakland. He's also the founder of Steep Hill Labs, one of the leading testing facilities for marijuana in California, and the founder, co-founder of the Arcview Group, which is one of the leading angel investor groups that helps to fund numerous cannabis businesses. So Steve D'Angelo is a big heavy hitter in the marijuana movement specifically and in California politics generally. He's got some clout now with all the money and support through Harborside. The other problem, though, is that Steve D'Angelo has a felony record. Steve D'Angelo was busted in, I think, Maryland or a suburb of D.C., something like that. But it was busted back in the early 2000s, 2001, I think it was. And he was busted and charged with possession and intent to distribute cocaine and marijuana. Now, the cocaine charges got dropped. I don't know if it was if they uh, did a plea deal to drop them or they were just dropped. But the cocaine charges didn't stick, but the marijuana charges did. He was busted, got convicted of this intent to distribute, the felony level. But he was spared any jail time. He was given like a five-year suspended sentence and three years probation, I think. It had to pay a fine and hasn't gotten in trouble since. But he does have this felony on the record, and because of the MMRSA, that prevents him from getting his license. But now this bill written by this uh, Costa from Oakland creates a very narrow exception that will allow him to get his license. It says that if your uh, offense happened out of state, well, that's Stevie's, and it didn't lead to any jail time, again, Steve D'Angelo, and you are currently licensed by a locality in California, and of course he's got Oakland, San Jose, and San Leandro Harborsides, so he's got those, right? If you fit all three of those criteria, that felony prohibition on getting a license no longer applies to you. Well, that's great for Steve D'Angelo to get a, a assembly member to write a bill to let him get into the industry. 
but it doesn't really do anything for all those poor black and Latino people who are busted and can't get into the industry now. All right. Well, that sound means that it's 20 after the hour, and now it's time for our 420 break for all our friends in Denver, Colorado. Hope you have yourself a great safety meeting. We're going to take a break. When we come back in a couple of minutes, we got drug war data mining. We're going to tell you all about a new study on marijuana and heart attacks. Stick around. There are some who call me Tim. All right, tokers and tokets, that sound means that it's 20 after, so happy 420 to all our friends in the Mountain Time Zone. Time for us to get to a very important safety briefing as mandated by Union Local 420. I'm Radical Russ, live in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be right back after this two minutes worth of sponsor breaks. Stick around. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay, maybe you're high too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everybody. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at a new study that has been revealed at a recent event, actually took place today, 
with uh, professionals in the field of cardiology. And in this presentation, some interesting data with respect to marijuana consumers. And uh, the it's the American College of Cardiology, and they're having their 2016 scientific sessions. And this evidence seems to debunk some of these claims about marijuana and risk of heart attack. Not only does prior marijuana use not seem to affect survival factors after suffering a heart attack, it seems marijuana use may improve post-heart attack survival factors while still in the hospital. Investigators called data from over 1 million heart attack patients. Over 3,800 of them had reported prior marijuana use. After controlling for confounding variables like age, race, and known heart attack risk factors, the researchers found that the marijuana consumers were no more likely to die or face another heart attack than the marijuana abstinent patients. Dr. Andrew Freeman of Denver's National Jewish Health told Medscape's Heartwire, quote, we already know that marijuana helps with pain and cataracts. We should be looking deeper into it, just as we should with any drug, end quote. While there were no long-term survival differences between those patients who consumed marijuana and those who didn't, the rates for dying post-heart attack while in the hospital were lower for the marijuana consumers. Risks for shock among marijuana patients was much lower, as were the risks from using an intra-aortic balloon pump during heart surgery on those patients. However, Marijuana-using patients did have an increased risk for assisted breathing while in the hospital after a heart attack. Researchers hypothesize there may be some connection to the smoking of marijuana rather than the marijuana itself that may require mechanical ventilation more often. Dr. Freeman said, quote, This suggests that the theory that the smoke is more damaging is probably the re real deal, and we need to be very cautious about that, end quote. The study is limited in that it cannot make claims that marijuana use leads to greater survival rates in hospital for heart attack victims. The study's lead author, medical student Cecilia Johnson Sasso at the University of Colorado, Denver, cautions that there is no causal proof of, quote, what appears to be prevention from death, end quote. While Johnson Sasso and her team are careful to stress they aren't advocating for marijuana use, they are also optimistic about the medical ramifications of their research, saying, quote, more basic science and clinical research are definitely needed. We can't yet make recommendations, but I'd say to keep this information in mind as more research is being done, end quote. If other studies replicate these findings, she adds, quote, further investigation into the possible therapeutic benefit of CB receptor agonists in myocardial infarction may be warranted, end quote. And translating that from medical speak, she's saying that we ought to take a look at how cannabis can help heart attack patients therapeutically. Now, there is some understanding that marijuana use leads to a elevated heart rate as you're using it. But that's way different from a heart attack and the heart attack risk. You'll often hear from prohibitionists that there's an increased heart attack risk from using marijuana, but that risk is associated with the increased heart rate. And that increased heart rate is no greater than running up a flight of stairs or having a good bout of sex. So you know those commercials that say, ask your doctor if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Well, if it is, it's healthy enough for marijuana, folks. And this just confirms what we're finding out time after time when we hear more of these studies coming out. 
when they try to find a problem with marijuana use and lung cancer, head cancer, neck cancer, COPD, emphysema, and now this one with heart attack, we're finding that the fears are unfounded and there may actually be some protective benefits of cannabis use. We're only going to find out more about this as time goes on and the Schedule 1 restrictions become uh, uh, lifted and more states pass medical cannabis laws and more studies are done. And in 15 years, we will look back at this period in history and kick ourselves for how much medical benefit we left on the table because of this stupid traditional prohibition rooted in racism, hatred, and control. And protection of corporate profits, of course. All right, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be back with our Reformers Reader segment. Stick around. You're listening to The Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. This is The Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's thesilvertour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. 
Welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour. My apologies, but Vincent Medizade will not be available for our Reformer Reader segment today. Uh, not receiving any response back from him. So we bring you this Reformer Reader that we did earlier in the year with, uh, reform- with another author named Marguerite Arnold. I hope you enjoy. Rasencha. The best weapon you can have in the Prohibition War is your mind. Fill your head with the knowledge you need by checking out this latest entry in the Russ Belleville Show's Reformer's Reader. Welcome back, everyone. 31 after the hour. And today in Reformer's Reader, we're going to be talking about the new book. It's entitled Green, The First 12 Months of Modern American Marijuana Reform. It's a novel memoir by Marguerite Arnold, who joins us Today, tonight, from Germany. Marguerite, welcome to the show. Uh, danke, danke. Hallo, alles. Ah, viel, <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, vielen Dank und guten Abend. Uh, wie viel Uhr ist das? Uh, it's just spate. It's, uh, it's half past 11. Ah. So your, your German is, 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 is very good. I have the feeling to say, I have, I have the urge to say, you know, Gesundheit after you speak. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it's the remnants of a few brain cells left over from high school uh, sophomore year. I took a semester of German, and I can ask you what time it is, where's the bathroom, how much is the beer, you know, the important things in life. You bet, and the Germans just love that. It's it's an incre- it's an incredible country. I really love it. Well, really let's it. let's talk a little bit about uh, your voyage to Germany because I was reading in the introduction to Green the the memoir that you've written here that you left the United States for Germany because partially because of the way that we treat cannabis and the people who use it. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure, and I you know I um, I found myself in a boat that many people I think are in. Um, I'm a Generation X, you know, I had, I, you know, I'd worked for many years in the United States and I got sick. And then once I had gotten into a program and I was starting to get better and I'd finally fought for Marinol, which was difficult. This was 2007, 2008. Um, I started to get better and then I, I couldn't get a job. And then I got a job and I got some money. I thought, all right, you know, I, I actually was credited for helping to win a federal grant in North Carolina. And they used the fact that I was using, at this point, a Schedule Three drug um, to, to, you know, not pay me, you know, and take a year's worth of my of my work for free. And I had, you know, that was like the end of of a long period of of just of just having to deal with this on a level that I just couldn't deal with anymore. I was starving, and I was very lucky. Uh, a family member finally loaned me some money and got me out of the country. Um, and I've been here for for two years, almost two years, and. Um, it's just, I just, I, I'm sorry that I feel this way. I, I don't want to sound anti-American. It's very positive. I love Germany. Um, but at the same time, I'm very aware of the fact that this is something I just, I, I, I gave up, if you, want to, if you want to say that, in the United States. And I moved to a country where it looks like there's going to be real reform next year. And it's, the difference is huge. That said, I, the reason I wrote the book and the reason I, I continue to speak out on these issues and I... Was, it was very lucky in terms of getting a job in term, uh, you know, to cover the market as a reporter um, is because these are issues that a lot of Americans face right now. And I wanted to add 
my voice to the many that are now pushing forward on reform. You know, as you observe this uh, happening from uh, from afar, as, as it were, uh, unfolding in Colorado and Washington State, uh, did did having that distance provide you with some perspective maybe that we uh, lacked or, or got too carried away with here in the States? Well, you know, I, I hope so. It was it certainly felt like it was easier to write about it here. It's also a wonderful experience to write about something that the Germans I mean, first of all, the Germans think it's barbaric that large sections of any population doesn't have health care. That's the perspective here. Yeah. The second thing is, you know, obviously it is it is a very different proposition here. They are not they are considering legalizing it next year for everybody and putting it under national health insurance. It's not that they don't want to do the two billion euro in money that that's going to bring in from other taxes. But you're not seeing the kinds of silly season, for, for lack of a better reason, going on in terms of the tax debate and some of the other larger meta debates that are going on in America. And that's one of the reasons why I do hold up Colorado and I do hold up Washington State as, you know, this is, it's one, you know, and as I say in the book, it's, it's terrific that these two states have taken the steps that they have. Now we have crossed the, the border of legalization, though. What does legalization really mean? And how do we go about doing that? And I, one of the one of the people like I, I, I cite you actually in the book. I, I call it a, a novel memoir, but it really is. It's a political book, um, and it, it reads kind of like a memoir. I try to put in some humor, but you know, I mean, one of the things that that I think many advocates, yourself included, had talked about, especially over the last year, is some of the sillier political debates that we're now seeing going on to try and parse this decision. You know, is you know, in Washington State right now, there really is a proposal to to tax. Everybody who uses THC, including medical users, at 37 yeah. percent at, at the cash <laughs> register. That's that's insane. Yeah. That's not what the advocacy movement was about. So that's really what I that's really why I took this opportunity from a different perspective, from a very pro legalization perspective, but maybe a little bit, you know, as you said, outside of the American debate to look at these issues within the meta issue, within the meta, the meta, you know, overall uber reform that's going on globally right now. And it really is. The book is Green, The First 12 Months of Modern American Marijuana Reform. Uh, we're speaking with Marguerite Arnold. She is the author. And Marguerite, if people want to get a hold of this book, where can they find it online? Um, well, it, it's, it's, it's really cool. I'm participating in this, this wonderful ebook uh, program by a Smashwords. They're a, an ebook distributor, so people can either go to Smashwords directly and buy it from them, or they can find it in the Apple Store. It's going to be available in, in Amazon in about a week. Um, so you can buy it now, actually, at a special discounted price. And uh, for $2.99, and I'll have ongoing discounts and specials, but it will be downloadable as of Monday next week. It's, it's an excellent uh, read. I got my uh, advanced PDF copy, and I was struck at first by your, your personal story in the introduction, and then uh, this remarkable timeline that you've laid out that, that even, you know, I didn't even consider like the Treaty of Versailles point that you make at 1917 and how that's one of the, the – the turning points in how uh, the nations were dealing with drugs and, and cannabis and so forth. Uh, and also you detail it's the, the book is 12 chapters, one for each month of the first year of legalization. And you write how that provided kind of a microcosm of the entire history and the debate had gone on about cannabis. Can you, can you tie that together for us to how, how the first year of market legalization was a microcosm of the whole marijuana debate in general? Well, it, it, I, I will try. I mean, as I, I, I think I started, I, I, I wanted to write about this for a long time, and it was about June last year, 
that when, when the silly season opened up on the Hill about DEA funding, that I said, you know, this is a book. And as I sat down to, to start to write it, there were certain events that had happened during the course of the year that just made it very easy to start to discuss some of these things. So, for example, Chapter 1 is called Rocky Mountain High, and it starts off in January with market start because that's easy. But I also wanted to show what what legalization in Colorado really meant because I think that that is really the only full legal medical market, medical and recreational market model that is existent and functional in the United States today. No matter what they say in Washington, that is not really a legal market. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's the idea of, of taxing a, a, a part of, of the whole medical aspect and shoving it back into another another world is, is pretty awful. But anyway, so the idea, though, was to take these ideas, these calendar events that happened, and tie them into the Uber history of reform. So in January, I talk about Colorado. I talk about Market Start. But I also talk about some of the things that a lot of people in the reform movement were talking about as well, some of the things that Colorado kind of pushed off the table. Um, and then I bring in the other issues, the history behind that. Um, for example, in June, I talk about the politics on the Hill because that's really when the blowback from the DEA vote happened. So I used actual real events that happened last year within the broader issues of reform. I talk about federal law. I, I spend a whole chapter. Um, I interviewed some of the leading uh, companies in this space last year where they're wonderful people. So I spend one whole chapter talking about some of the entrepreneurial issues that all of these companies not only faced but overcame. And that's what I, that's what I mean when I talk about I, I use actual triggering events of the year to then lift the debate up into the sort of meta level and talk about these broader debates. We're speaking with Marguerite Arnold. She's the author of Green, the first 12 months of modern American marijuana reform. And did you, when you were saying that, was it smash words or smash works? It's it's smash words. Words. It's, 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 uh, it's com. They're an ebook distributor and it's, it makes it really simple. You can upload your manuscript and your cover art, and they distribute to all the major ebook, uh, uh, you know, ebook uh, online sites that, that most people go and buy books from. So Kobo and Amazon, iTunes. It's it's an amazing program. That's fantastic. Now, of course, the other thing that happened in 2014 that's near and dear to my heart was my home state of Oregon and also Alaska and Washington, D.C. to some extent, passing marijuana legalization. Is there a plan for a follow-up? Because I think 2015 is, is, at least here in Oregon, is one of the most tumultuous years uh, even so far that I've been a part of. I absolutely agree. Actually, this is, it's going to be, it's a series called Green Uber Alice. Um, <laughs> this year, <laughs> this, this year is absolutely going to be momentous, starting with what's going on the Hill today. You know, they've, uh, Cory Booker and, um, mm-hmm. and Rand Paul, along with, you know, the, the, the help of Americans for Safe Access, which is an incredible, uh, one of, the, one of the, the more active and incredible reform groups, have introduced some, some interesting uh, legislation on the Hill to allow the medical movement to go forward. But to your point, I think that the state model that's in play in Oregon actually has one of the most interesting promises for really, you know, teasing out some of these bigger issues. Um, you know, what, are, what, what is fair to tax the different communities? What is, what is going to be used with a tax, with, with that tax, uh, infra, uh, uh, that tax money gathered? Are local municipalities allowed to add on basically what's, you know, 
turning into legal graft in many states, starting in Illinois, for example, on the medical community. And those are questions I think that Oregon in particular is extremely well set up to, to handle. And yes, to answer your question, it is going to be a, a series, um, at least through 2016, because I think that this is the most important political litmus test that faces every single national candidate, starting with the two presidential candidates, whoever those are. Well, now, that's an interesting point, and I want to uh, elaborate on that a little bit. You say that, because I claim the same thing. I'm wondering, how, what's your perspective on why you think this is one of, and should be, one of the biggest issues in the campaigns? Well, first of all, you know, Iowa, the Iowa Board of Pharmacy <laughs> has just changed the state classification of hemp, at least, to a Schedule II drug. Yeah. So, you know, given given the impact of the Iowa caucuses and, and uh, ethanol politics in the mm-hmm. state, that is going to be a question that's going to be lobbed at every single presidential candidate once the silly season for presidential uh, you know, the, the presidential season really gets underway. Second of all, as I discuss in the book, and I am very, very hard on those people that I suspect are going to be lining up for certainly the national presidential race, uh, and they are right now, because they have been in politics for a long time, and there's absolutely no excuse for what we are still hearing people say. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be direct about Hillary Clinton. You know, as I discuss in the book, this is somebody who has been – she's a former first lady. She's a former senator from, from New York, which has a very large Jewish <laughs> population. She's a former secretary of state. Um, and, and she doesn't know that there's all this research that American tax dollars have paid for in Israel. Um, she doesn't know that uh, on, on medical cannabis. She, she wants to delay forward motion in the United States because she thinks that more research, more American research is needed. Why is that? She's not aware of those things. Why not? Why aren't those questions being posed to her in that way as opposed to, say, Christian Amanpour throwing her a softball question about whether she's ever smoked pot? Mm. You know, (laughs) sorry. At this point, having watched and been a part of the medical marijuana movement for many, many years, starting with watching many of my gay friends die, um, I'm tired of it. And I think that at this point, it is it is definitely the right time to make that statement. And there is an opening, thanks to the work of literally hundreds and thousands of, if not millions of people. This is a bottom up movement. Let's take it, you know, be the change. And now is the time to make that statement and push it forward. Oh, so well spoken. Thank you so much, Marguerite Arnold, for writing this book. And uh, just for your personal story, too, is, is just very compelling. I encourage everyone to go out to smashwords.com and get the book. We've got the link up in our chat room, thanks to Gothic Prophet, who's already ran out and bought a copy for himself. Uh, Marguerite, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. We appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. And like I said, we're going to be running all sorts of of cool discounts and promotions and get in touch with me. Thank you very much for having me on the show. That's our pre-recorded interview with Marguerite Arnold. Took place earlier this year. Again, my apologies to Vincent Medizadeh. We will reschedule him to get him on to talk about his book, Humor Rising, My Journey from Bankruptcy to Billionaire Back to Aspiring Upstart in the Cannabis Industry. We got to take a break. When we come back, it's time for the radical rant. You're just going to have to face it. The marijuana breathalyzer is on its way. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email FiredUpLawyer at gmail.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today in the rant, I'm looking at a report in the Los Angeles Times, and the title of it is, Driving While High, Lawmakers Want Police to Be Able to Check. And it addresses a topic that we've covered many times here on the Russ Belleville Show, driving while high or smoth, stoned mayhem on the freeways. On the one hand, I have for years now been telling you there's little to fear from people that use marijuana and drive. There is no stoned mayhem on the freeways. Marijuana ain't alcohol. It does not impair the body, the mind, or the judgment in the same way alcohol does. Yada, yada, yada. We've covered that many times. This time, we're going to cover the more cynical side of the issue, and that is the detection of this non-issue, the policing of this non-problem. Because despite the fact that we're right, and we have science and evidence on our side, that there is nothing to fear from marijuana-using drivers. Despite all that, I think we're going to end up losing this battle. I don't want to lose this battle. I'm not giving up on this battle. 
but I'm telling you, from a rhetorical standpoint, things don't look good. In the story by Patrick McGreevy, he refers to a bill that uh, is being authored by Republican State Senator Bob Huff of San Dimas uh, to mandate a handheld electronic device to test for the presence of marijuana, cocaine, amphetamines, and pain medications, including opiates, with a saliva swab. And uh, Senator Huff said, quote, sadly, we've become a nation of self-medicating, careless people. The public is naive in understanding how dangerous our roads are made by people who are abusing opiates, meth, and cannabis, end quote. What is nice that senators are now saying cannabis. That's kind of nice. But what's this? We've become a nation of self-medicating careless people. We, we've become. <laughs> Actually, drug use rates are lower than they used to be. Alcohol fatalities, drunk driving, driving fatalities in general are the lowest they've ever been recorded. So what's this? We've become a nation of self-medicating people. There was far more DUIs in the 70s than there are now. Regardless, I think it's interesting that he brings up the point of abusing opiates, meth, and cannabis all in the same sentence because they have to put those all together. People just aren't naturally afraid of marijuana, so you have to add marijuana into the drugs category to scare the hell out of everyone. This bill, of course, is backed by the California Police Chiefs Association, the California Narcotics Officers Association, National, uh, probably the Highway Patrol as well. The supporters of this bill, this is uh, Senate Bill 1462, <laughs> cites a report by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration that found a 22% increase in drugged driving arrests between 2007 and 2014. Now, whenever I hear there's been more drugged driving arrests, I always have to bring up the parable of the fish, the example of the fish. If on day one, you go to the river and you come back with two fish, and on day two, you go to the river and you come back with 14 fish, it does not necessarily mean there are more fish in the river. You may have gone on day one with a fishing pole and gone on day two with a net. You may have gone on day one to one fishing hole, gone to day two to a different fishing hole that was better stocked. Okay, so when we say that we're catching more people for drugged driving, I believe we just got a bigger net now. We've got cops that are actually looking for these kind of things. I don't think any more people are drugged and driving now than there were before. In fact, probably more people were drugged and driving before. But the problem with this argument is the fact that we've already kind of lost this argument. We already lost this argument when we gave away the point on alcohol and breathalyzers. See, we had a, a massive problem with drunk driving, and that problem with drunk driving was addressed when we came up with the breathalyzer, the blood alcohol content situation. See, once we agreed with that, the die was cast because... The BAC doesn't tell us whether someone's too impaired to drive a vehicle either. Now, before you go crazy on me on the science, yes, it is far more reliable. Far more reliable to pegging a specific blood alcohol content to impairment. Certainly, somebody who's at a .20 BAC is too messed up to drive. Problem is, when you get to lower numbers, there are plenty of people 
who can drive quite well on a 0.08 BAC, which is the legal drunk driving limit. And a lot of them certainly drive better than sober elderly drivers, for example. So with the alcohol breathalyzer, we instituted in the public's mind this idea that there's a machine that could issue a magic number that would tell the cops you were too impaired to recently drive a vehicle. But really, whether you were too impaired is secondary. The real problem is you didn't wait two or three hours after drinking to drop that number below the magic number limit. You didn't wait two or three hours. The case of whether or not you're impaired at the time has become secondary to the per se, which means automatically guilty. The per se statute that says 0.08 means you're impaired. So really now it's not that you're impaired. It's that you're irresponsible. You got behind the wheel too soon after drinking. So now with legal marijuana, the public and the cops want that magic number machine. And here we are, you know, but, 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 but it's not scientific and it doesn't tell you you're really impaired and some of us are patients and some of us talk so frequently we develop a tolerance and we're not really impaired and, well, yes, that's all true and we might get some traction with that for a while. Indeed, if you're expecting someone to not smoke pot for 24 to 48 hours before getting behind the wheel, pretty much everybody's going to think that's a little ridiculous. But remember, it's not impairment that they're trying to ferret out. It's irresponsibility. The alcohol breathalyzer makes it so most people have to wait one or two hours after social drinking. So what happens when the saliva swab or the marijuana breathalyzer gets perfected to the point where they can predict with accuracy whether you toked in the past hour or two? The argument we have against blood and urine testing is that marijuana hangs out in our system for a long time way past the point of feeling any impairing effects, and the public's been with us so far on that. But it's also true that immediately after inhaling marijuana smoke, our THC blood readings spike well over 100 nanograms, and science will eventually be able to nail down whether you've recently toked before getting behind the wheel, depending on how you define recently. And when that happens, the argument will be made that we were irresponsible for getting behind the wheel within an hour or so of toking, just as the drinker is irresponsible for getting behind the wheel within an hour or so of drinking. And that forces us into the position of trying to defend getting behind the wheel within an hour or so of toking because we're not really impaired. And that might be true, but it's going to be a hard argument to win because it's going to appear as if we're promoting irresponsibility. That's all the time we got for hour one. Stay tuned for hour two. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you manage, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you manage, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio. The voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people?
Or you can tell. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about Toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Roller Day Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enemy man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. Did you enjoy that first half hour of the show? Did it sound a little weird? If you're listening on the podcast, that's because when I started the show live today, I forgot to push record. (laughs) So I have re-recorded the show, at least the first half hour of the show, after this hour. So now I'm in this weird time loop where right now when I'm talking to you, I'm talking about what I said in the past, which is going to actually be something I will say in the future. And by the time you hear all this, all of it will be in the past. Mind blown, man. (laughs) Welcome to hour two. Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. And I want to just follow up on the rant from uh, hour one. Uh, I hope people don't misunderstand me in thinking that I'm somehow for these breathalyzers. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm against drug testing in all its forms. All drug testing. All of it. I'm against breathalyzers for, for alcohol DUIs. I am against drug testing airline pilots. I'm against it all. I think it's a gross violation of our privacy, uh, our decency, and our constitutional rights. Our Fourth Amendment right against search and seizure, and our Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. So I'm against all drug testing. I'm not for these roadside breathalyzers or, or, or saliva swabs or whatever technology they come up with. I'm just giving it to you from a rhetorician's point of view, someone who's got to argue this kind of stuff for a living and we're kind of getting ourselves stuck uh kind of painted into a corner in a couple ways rhetorically speaking uh number one we get paid into the corner of appearing to want special rights because you know we kept saying treat treat it like alcohol treat it like alcohol tax and regulate it like alcohol and so now the public's like okay well alcohol we know how we deal with alcohol well we have breathalyzers for duis so where's the treat it like alcohol for marijuana And that puts us in the position of going, oh, well, yeah, treat it like alcohol, except, and now we look like we're asking for special rights. Now, we deserve those special rights. Marijuana ain't alcohol. It's far safer. 
and it doesn't impair us in the same way. We know the science. We know the reality. I'm just giving you the point of view of how we have to carefully craft our arguments. We're kind of stepping through minefields here when we're dealing with marijuana and driving. You also have to worry about making these arguments that, well, we, we are not impaired, right? Because an alcoholic can make an argument that they're not impaired at 0.08 as well. And some alcoholics are after actually better drivers with alcohol in them because they don't get the shakes like they do when they're sober, right? So we run the risk of being in this position of saying, well, yeah, but we can smoke and drive. We can, we can smoke and then get right behind the wheel of a car. And that looks as if we're promoting irresponsibility. So if they, right now we're kind of in a good spot because the technologies are unproven and unscientific and we can easily say, this isn't proven, it's unscientific, you're catching people who aren't impaired, that's easy. That's an easy argument. Now, it's not going to be an easy argument in a couple years. This technology is going to develop quickly because there's a huge demand for it. And there's all of these police departments and sheriff's offices and state police that have plenty of budget for these kind of things. So it's going to get developed. They're going to come up with these drug testers that can tell whether or not you used a drug within the past two hours. And then we're stuck with, well, drinkers have to wait two hours before they drive. Pretty much, if they're above 0.08, you got to wait a couple hours before you're sober, right? We can't expect the same of drug users. And then again, we'll be stuck in that position of looking like we're asking for special rights. Which we deserve. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's going to be a tough argument. Hey, when we come back from break, we got a new poll on Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders' race. We have got uh, an interesting job position for a... This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. For a cannabis critic, and uh, I need to watch my time cues. Be right back. <laughs> Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, 
Your Cannabis Needs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootcamp.com. Marijuana smokers are some of the most creative engineers in the world. Now that marijuana is becoming legal, we're moving past homemade creations of necessity and into professionally designed products for the cannabis consumer. We take a look at some of today's hottest products in our paraphernalia parade. Welcome back, everybody. Eight after the hour, nine after the hour now. And it's no secret here at the Russ Belville Show that we are feeling the burn Pretty excited at the potential of a major party candidate who promises to remove marijuana from the federal drug schedules. And now you can feel the burn when you feel the burn. These products are huge. The entrepreneurs at BerniePapers.com have come up with two versions, actually one version of, I'm sorry, my apologies. The entrepreneurs at BerniePapers.com have come up with Bernie Sanders Marijuana Rolling Papers. Uh, They come emblazoned with the Bernie 2016 campaign logo on the front and a Feel the Burn caricature on the back of the king-size pack. Each pack is $4.99, and large quantity discounts are available. The site even provides a link to donate to Bernie Sanders' campaign. Again, the website's BerniePapers.com. But maybe you're more of a glass aficionado than a joint roller. Well, no problem. Portland, Oregon's Ariel Zimmon has got you covered. High Times reported on her white ceramic pipes that she's been marketing as burners for Bernie. She's selling the pipes for $60 and Chillums for $30. They are emblazoned with the campaign logo, and she sells them through her website, and is donating 10% of the proceeds to the Bernie Sanders campaign. Or at least she was donating 10% to the campaign. The item sold so well that she's maxed out the personal $2,700 donation limit to presidential campaigns by law, which means she sold at least $27,000 worth of those pipes. So now your Burners for Bernie purchases help fund charities that support women in STEM and the arts. And STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math degrees. So whether you get the papers or you get the pipes, well, you're going to need some flame. And fortunately, Bernie Lighters over at Etsy has got you covered. You can pick up a three-pack featuring a blue Feel the Burn lighter, a flaming, angry, feel the burn lighter, and an American flag with a buff Bernie Photoshop lighter, all three for just $12. Now you're feeling it, but you can't go dirtying up the planet by leaving your ashes everywhere. That's where Piccadilly Woods on Etsy comes in with the Bernie Sanders ashtray available for only $8. Now, are these things legal? Well, probably not. (laughs) The Center for Public Integrity wrote that, quote, attorneys say entrepreneurs open themselves to risk by using candidates' names, likenesses, or logos, especially when promising to donate a specific portion of their sales, end quote. But when Ariel Zimmon is sending your campaign a maximum $2,700 political donation, Do you think Bernie's lawyers are going to go after for appropriating his trademark? 
<laughs> who's going to pass up the priceless word of mouth advertising for their candidate, even if it is among cannabis consumers passing a joint or a pipe around? But come to think of it, tokers may be just the audience of diehard supporters you most want to be reminded constantly of an upcoming election. Ken Gross, a political law expert, told the Center for Public Integrity, quote, I can't imagine the campaign going against them. They're supporters. They don't want to turn them off, end quote. Now, whether Bernie Sanders wins the nomination or not, you win with these unique political keepsakes. If you need any of the websites to order any of these products, you can find them on my latest post on MarijuanaPolitics.com in the, uh, I think it's in the culture section, could be in the politics section. Bernie Sanders marijuana smoking accessories are a huge hit. Check that out. Get it? Huge hit. It's a pun. So let me move on. Speaking of Bernie Sanders, because we are feeling the burn here at the Russ Belville Show, I've got a new article up on Huffington Post concerning Bernie Sanders, who was recently taken to task by the New York Daily News. And this has been floating around in my Facebook feed from all my Hillary supporting fans who are saying he had a disaster. It was a disastrous interview. He showed that he's out of his depth. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so I wrote up a, uh, a take on that because it was really kind of a hit piece by the New York Daily News. They seem to be in the tank for Hillary and just kind of attacking Bernie for having broad visionary plans and not knowing all the minutia of how to accomplish those broad visions. So I wrote a piece up that imagined what it would have been like if the New York Daily News interviewed President Kennedy when he said we were going to go to the moon by the end of the decade. Yeah, but how are we going to go to the moon? How how do you get a a landing capsule on the moon? How are you going to like Kennedy didn't know all the details of that either. See, folks, when you're a leader, you have vision. You have a vision that you want to accomplish and you rally people behind you and you get the smartest minds behind you and you work out how you're going to accomplish the vision. That is the problem I think we've had with too many of our elected officials is them being policy wonk types that want to get into all the minutiae and details without first establishing the vision and getting the people behind that vision. Once you've got the people behind your vision, you can accomplish anything in the minutia. But if you're only concentrating on the minutiae and don't get the backing of the people behind it, you end up with half-hearted compromises like this Affordable Care Act and other pieces of legislation we've seen over the past 10, 20 years. Anyway, uh, let's uh, take a look at this poll since we were speaking about uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Latest poll being reported on by McClatchy says that 25% of Sanders voters would shun Clinton saying that if Hillary Clinton wins the primaries, one out of four Bernie Sanders supporters would not vote for Hillary Clinton in the general election. 69% say they would. So there's another what 6% that are unsure what the hell they'll do by comparison. Clinton supporters only 14% of Clinton supporters wouldn't vote for Bernie. 79% would. Well, yeah, because the Clinton supporters would finally have the chance to vote for an honest Democratic politician for once. Someone who actually espouses consistent principles. Of course they would vote for Bernie. This does not bode well for Hillary Clinton to know that one out of four of her opponent supporters 
are gone. She does not get those votes. And I'm one of them. I will not enable Hillary Clinton in any way whatsoever. I don't care who she's running against. She does not get my vote. The other guy doesn't get my vote either. Not voting for Cruz or Trump or Kasich or any of those guys. But I'm not voting for Hillary Clinton. Interesting also in this poll is the second poll I've seen recently that shows Sanders ahead of Hillary Clinton nationally. It's a 49 to 47, so within margins of error, but 49, 47, second time I've heard it. And the problem here is that she cannot connect with younger people. She uh, has most of her support among non-whites, Democrats, women, and older folks, people over 45. Sanders leads 76-23 among people 29 and younger, people under 30, leads 63-31 among Latinos, leads 62-32 among independents, leads 58-38 among unmarried people, and leads 56-42 among liberals. On the other hand, Clinton is leading 65-29 for people 60 and older, 61-35 among African Americans, 57-39 among the married, and 53-43 among Democrats. Of course, uh, Bernie Sanders won the Wisconsin uh, election last night. He's won seven out of the last eight contests. But of course, we're leading into Wyoming. He'll probably win that as well with numbers around 70 to 80%. He'll come in with eight out of the nine past wins as we move into New York and the rest of the mid-Atlantic Tuesday states. And that will pretty much be it as far as the big votes until California. It doesn't look good for Bernie in the polling when it comes to New York, which is Hillary Clinton. She was a a senator from New York. And the rest of the mid-Atlantic states might be tough for him with their... um, large African-American populations that tend to support Hillary Clinton. But the numbers we've seen lately have shown Bernie Sanders eroding that African-American support from Hillary Clinton. People are starting to hear more about Bernie and to understand more about his consistency and his principle. And now with the leaking of these Panama papers, that's the latest thing that I think is going to start to blow up in Hillary Clinton's face as more and more of this terabyte greater than terabyte data dump gets picked through when we start to see whose fingerprints and whose corporations and whose governments have been colluding with one another we are going to see more of this fallout and it can only hamper the campaign of hillary clinton who is so tied with that clinton foundation and the very name clinton evokes shady fundraising. I mean, we go back to the renting out the Lincoln bedroom during Bill Clinton's presidency that can only hurt Hillary Clinton and only help Bernie Sanders. And as Bernie wins more states and does competitively well in the swing states, and as the Democratic Party recognizes they're going to lose the youth vote if they nominate Hillary, we may go to the Democratic convention with a serious contest despite who gets how many delegates in the elections. What is the main food that penguins eat? Spam? (laughs) But I don't like spam. 
Hey, folks, it's 420 here in the West Coast, and we want to remind you that coming up at the top of the hour here on CannabisRadio.com, Stoner Jesus is coming to you live and direct from Stoner Heaven. And then at 6 o'clock, the latest episode of the Tommy Chong Podcast, exclusively here on CannabisRadio.com. i got to get to a safety briefing. Be right back in two minutes. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. You're tuned into the Rush Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you so much, Dan Michaels. Welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour. Want to thank Bub out there in the chat room who's just bought some Bernie papers at BerniePapers.com. And for our loyal listeners out there, if you end up buying stuff that you hear about on my show, do me a favor and let them know that. Like if they got a comment sealed or anything that you can fill in, say, I heard about this on the Russ Belville show on CannabisRadio.com. Because we want to hit those guys up for advertising and sponsorships, right? The reason this podcast comes to you free, two hours of content every day free, the freshest marijuana news and the most insightful marijuana opinions free two hours every day is because of our advertisers and our sponsors and our VIP listeners. So please help us help you. When you buy something you hear off this show, let those advertisers know where you heard it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, and speaking of the VIP thing, uh, there will be a radical redesign of radicalrust.com coming up. I haven't reposted there since February. 
because I really desperately need to redesign the whole setup so it's less blog, more podcast, and tie it in with Cannabis Radio. So I'll be getting to work on a redesign of that. And when I do, the VIP section will be back. All the existing 420 Radio VIPs will be grandfathered in. You'll be new Radical Rust VIPs. And then we'll set up a whole new system, and there'll be all sorts of new exclusive content available only there through RadicalRust.com. So stay tuned for that. All right, so let me get to this story. The headline, you ever you ever read one of those headlines where you, you do a double take, you got to read it like two or three times and go, wait, what? And then you finally realize, no, that is what they said. So this is the headline at Time, Time Magazine. Their news feed from Colorado reads, just don't inhale. Newspaper seeks cannabis reporter who can pass drug test. Like what? Who, who can pass drug test? A cannabis reporter who can pass a drug test. I, it's exactly the opposite of how I got my job here at CannabisRadio.com. It's like you, you have to be able to fail a drug test here. Like, I'm sorry, son. Your, uh, your nanograms per milliliter only came up at nine. I'm afraid we have a threshold of 10 here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking, but. Really, a cannabis reporter who can pass a drug test. This is the job notice that was passed on the cannabis, uh, posted on the cannabis, right? That's the Denver Post's uh, marijuana-themed news organization, the cannabis. And on their job notice, it says that they're seeking a journalist to produce stories uh, on legalization across U.S. and Canada, on the business of growing and selling pot, pot pot-rooted recipes, game reviews, Gear reviews, uh, data journalism, self-created visuals, maps, charts, graphs. However, as with every Denver Post position, a qualified candidate must successfully pass a drug test. End quote. <laughs> See, I'm reading this and I'm going, well, this job is like, this is my job. It's exactly what I do. <laughs> you know, da- right down to the data journalism part, you know, graphs, charts, maps. That's me, man. But pass a drug test. I'm just wondering, you know what? I'm not saying that you'd have to be a pot smoker to be a good cannabis journalist. Just like I'm not saying you'd have to be black to report on Black Lives Matter. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Does it seem a little off to you, man, that somebody who could pass a drug test? Now, of course, there's a difference. There's a, there's a huge difference in that you could just not smoke pot for a little while, pass the drug test, get the job, and then after you got the job, smoke your face off. But isn't, and I, I don't know the Denver Post uh, uh, protocols. I don't, I don't know their program. Don't know their regulations. But most of these places, when you have a, a pre-employment drug test, they also have random drug testing possible, or they have four-cause accident drug testing, right? This is what happened to our friend Sid Maurer, who writes for MarijuanaPolitics.com, where she apparently passed a pre-employment drug test to work at a news station, but when she got into a fender bender, that was the four-cause that they had to be able to drug test her, and then she lost her job, lost her career. So I imagine the Denver Post must be similar, right? Maybe they're not randomly drug testing, but your your marijuana reporter is on a scooter on the way to do a dispensary review, gets into a, a fender bender, 
and now there's a drug test and that reporter loses his job. So I, I don't know. I don't know about this. Um, there's going to have to be some point, especially in Colorado and these other legal states, where the parent companies, and, and that's really what I believe this is all about, right? Like, I think if you actually ask the, the, the editors that are working at the Denver Post who they'd want, whether they'd want a drug test, I bet they probably wouldn't want to drug test. But it's probably corporate. It's probably their, their corporate overlords have some insurance policy that mandates they have to do drug testing. And so they do. And so everybody just goes along with it. But there's going to come a time when some of these companies are going to have to recognize that you're not going to get quality people if you maintain these 20th century policies. You're not going to get it. I covered that uh, rant by Christine Tatum. You know her? She's uh, Dr. Christian Thurstone's wife, and they are like the Project Sam type people out there in Colorado. And she wrote this angry rant on Facebook once about how they, how she went to a, a Lowe's home improvement warehouse, right? She went to a Lowe's, and there was this huge line at the cashier. Seven, eight people in line. And the other cashier stations unmanned. Right? So one cashier to process all these people. Everybody waiting in line. Long time. Everybody getting kind of you know upset about it. And so when Christine gets a chance to speak to a manager there about this lousy customer service, the manager points out that, well, since the legalization of marijuana in Colorado, we can't find enough workers who can pass the drug test. So the problem, of course, isn't the drug test, right? It's the Colorado legalized, damn it. The problem isn't that we're trying to evaluate the quality of workers based on their piss. No, that's not the problem. It's legalization. We need to keep throwing. We need to go back to throwing people in jail. So, yeah, Lowe's said that they, the Lowe's manager at the time said, well, we just can't find enough people, lower customer service. And so Christine railed about this legalizations ruining her pristine Lowe's shopping experience. And she said, though, that she'd accept it because Lowe's had the sense not to hire potheads that wouldn't trust them with the bandsaw or the forklift or even cleaning the toilets or presumably running the cash registers. Okay. Go ahead. Have your lousy service. Let these companies lose some profit. Let their competitors who don't drug test do better than them. And eventually they'll come around. They'll start to realize, you know what? Trying to find out whether the guy pushing the buttons on the cash register, running a little scanner there, whether or not he smoked pot is not really the top of our corporate uh, ideals right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll start to take effect after they time after time after time after time can't get employees because they're failing for marijuana. Uh, this is why I, as as loathsome as it can be in many respects, I do have a belief that American capitalism is doing more to open up our freedoms to bring about legalization than all of the talk we had ever put together about how it was wrong or how it's medicine. No, now that we've unleashed the profit motive, that's what's going to cause a lot of these things to start to change. 
the drug testing for employees, that's got to change if these companies want to continue to have great customer service, if they want to continue to have good workers. But it's weird, the growing pains that we get to, that we have to go through in order to get there. Uh, I have a friend who's uh, pretty well off, got a few, a few, a comma or two in the bank account, right? And, and this is way beyond my understanding. Once we start talking about stocks and trades and assets and net worth and liquidity and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it really. But folks like this, they got money. They got lots of money, but it's usually not like in money, money. It's not stacks of hundreds sitting around, right? It's investments in stock and, and, and other funds out there, right? So this guy I know who's got all this money tied up in a couple of different organizations just recently got a couple of letters because the organizations and, and the organization one of them, Scott trade, you know, stock trading things, Scott trade. And the other one's uh, fidelity investments. Okay. And this guy has been investing with both these places for a long time, big accounts, lots of money, just recently received letters saying that both of these places, Scott trade and fidelity are closing his accounts. And, and basing it on, you know, terms and conditions that, you know, it's, you know, like employment, they call it at will employment, they can fire you at any time for any reason. Well, they got an at will kind of thing in these agreements that says they can close your account for any reason. And they are now they're not freezing it, he can get the money out. He just can't put new money in or store it there anymore. Right. So now it's a situation where this guy could be making really good money in the stock market with this these funds with these investments can't anymore has to take it out and put it like in a bank where you don't get that kind of return, right? You just get regular return. And the whole reason behind this is because both of these places, Scott trade and fidelity found out that this guy had been investing in the legal marijuana business. Okay. So we're not talking about spending money to actually you know, uh, 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 grow and sell marijuana at this point. We're just talking investments in companies that may be doing that. And we're not talking about bank accounts like the, the, you know, the federal bank accounts that are federally insured. We're talking about just investments. But again, since that comes under FinCEN, you know, financial uh, security and SEC and all that, anything that starts to get anywhere near a hint of a, suggestion of a whiff of marijuana freaks these people out. So now this guy's got his money all tied up millions of dollars. (laughs) Can't really work with it at the moment because these two companies that he's done business with for years that have made plenty of money off of these investments of his, because they get brokerage fees and all that have now said, no, no off with you and your money. Because you're one of those people. Or you're working with one of those people. Those pot people. And that'll happen. That's going to happen for a while. But it can't happen much longer. Not as more states become legal and more rich people start investing in what is obviously one of the biggest growth investment opportunities of our lifetimes. The Green Rush. 
There'll be too many fees to be lost and too many customers going elsewhere and too many alternatives popping up. So we'll hear these stories for a while, but not in the next 10 years we won't. This stuff's going to turn around. You mark my words. There's too much money on the table for it not to. And take a break back in two minutes with more. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said, on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. (gasps) Can I scare you? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 38 after the hour here. And uh, this discussion about uh, drug testing and employment leads me to another discussion that uh, is prompted by a very interesting article I read today on uh, Huffington Post. And it was this um, economist, I think it was an economist, maybe he was just a social scientist, I'm not sure. It was a very interesting article on the concept of guaranteed universal income. And it opened my mind to some concept I hadn't really considered before. First of all, the idea of guaranteed universal income is the idea that as a citizen of the country, you would get a check every month. Not welfare, not food stamp, but just income. Just by virtue of being a United States citizen, 
Here's some money, enough money to survive on. Now, the reason this concept is being floated is because of the dynamics of what's happening in our labor markets. And we're in a situation now where technology should be replacing a lot of our labor, right? For example, McDonald's has all the technology it needs right now to be able to make self-service McDonald's kiosks. You know, like when you go to the airport and you're checking in, they got the little touch screen and you can do the do it all. Well, just imagine that for McDonald's. You walk into a McDonald's, you come up to a touch screen, you push Big Mac, Big Mac, Big Mac, Fry, Coke, blah, blah, check, check, check. It tells you what the cost is. You put your cash in there. I mean, we've already seen automated uh, stations at supermarkets. We're seeing those key, those automated check-ins at airports. Why isn't there automated check-ins at McDonald's? Well, the reason why is because people need jobs and people don't want to see their job being replaced by a robot, by a machine. And this got a big kick when that uh, Boston Dynamics video came out on the internet a few weeks ago, the one with the, 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 the bipedal robot. Did you see that one where they could kick the robot and it would just stumble, but it would stay, stay, you know, standing. And if it got knocked over, it could pick itself up and it could pick up boxes and put them on shelves. And a lot of people saw that video and went, shit, there goes my job. Once you get a robot that can walk and move and climb and carry, that's a lot of people's jobs. And eventually, you know, you're a guy that does sheetrock on construction sites, right? Part of your job is hauling these big, heavy pieces of sheetrock. Well, once you've got a robot that can carry four times as much sheetrock as you can, has all the balance you do, doesn't require breaks, <laughs> right? Doesn't require wages. We're, that's going to be a tough world to live in. People in the creative classes and the professional classes for a long time have ignored this. But now we're starting to see artificial intelligence be developed. Most recently, an artificial intelligence program that plays the game Go, the ancient Japanese game Go, or is it Chinese? I don't remember. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those games, it's like even more complex than chess. Like there's more... Well, it's simpler than chess, but also more complex. I don't know how to explain it any better. But uh, there's more permutations on a Go board than atoms in the universe. It's something ridiculous like that, math-wise. Anyway, an artificial intelligence finally beat a human player, a human grandmaster at Go. And for a long time, they've been beating chess masters now. So the artificial intelligence is going to get to the point where people in the professional classes, the creative classes are going to lose jobs. They've already got AI software that can write hit songs that you can't tell the difference between it or something a human wrote. So the problem, the core of this problem, and it attacks the professional classes too. There was an interesting anecdote in the story about the development of this machine that's an automatic anesthesiology machine. Okay, so like, you know, you go for surgery, there's a specific professional called an, an anesthesiologist. His only gig is to knock you out, keep you knocked out, but not too knocked out. That's his gig. That's all he does is drug you and make sure you stay asleep during surgery. And these guys are extremely well paid. They're some of the best paid medical professionals out there. Well, this company came along, they made this machine. You hook it up to the patient, it checks the patient's vitals, it's got the 
its own little pump for the propofil or whatever the anesthesia is that it pumps into you and it monitors your vitals and it can adjust the the drug automatically in some cases better than an anesthesiologist can a human can you ever heard of anyone using these things nope the american academy of anesthesiologists or society or association or whatever the hell they are the anesthesiologist group lobbied to kill these machines and to make sure they couldn't be used in U.S. hospitals. Now, if these machines were added to U.S. hospitals, it would cut a major chunk of healthcare cost off of most people's surgeries. But it would also cost a well-paid, upper-class anesthesiologist a job. And so we don't get that technological benefit. Now, I know a lot of you listening are probably going, wait, Russ, I know you're a lefty. I know you're a union guy. You're pro-labor. How can you be talking about this in glowing terms about technology replacing work? Well, shouldn't it? Shouldn't we be developing our technologies to make it from us going from a six-day work week to a five-day work week, from a 40-hour week to a 30 to a 20 to, to having mostly leisure time where we can develop our personalities, our art, our relationships, we can enjoy the world around us and the people around us? Well, no, we, we don't even think in those terms because of one underlying factor that's been true since the development of human history, and that is work equals income. See, fundamentally, everything is owned. Food is owned. Water is owned. Places to sleep are owned. Everything's owned. And the mechanism by which you acquire things that are owned is money. And the mechanism by which you get money is work. So if you need to survive through eating and sleeping and wearing clothes, you need money and therefore you need to work. And so that's why when the possibility of losing jobs and losing labor comes about through technological innovation, we freak out. We, if we don't work eight hours a day, we will starve. If we don't work eight hours a day, we'll be homeless. If we don't work eight hours a day, we will get sick and die. That's where the universal income comes in. What happens if you no longer have to work in order to eat, wear clothes, and have a place to sleep? That there's no outward pressure forcing you to have to work. Now, you're not going to live in the lap of luxury in this universal income. We're only talking, you know, $12,000 a year, maybe $1,000 check a month, something like that, right? You're not going to get a ton, but you wouldn't be forced to have to work. Now, you might want to work. You might want to make more money so you can have an actual house, a real nice house instead of public housing. You might want to have a car. You might want to go on trips. You might want to buy stuff, right? So there'll be plenty of incentive to work. You just won't be forced to work. So, So what happens in those circumstances? Well, number one, without this overwhelming pressure to have to work at any cost, you can abandon the minimum wage. You could actually get rid of the minimum wage because people wouldn't work for too low of money. They already make enough money to live. They don't need more money. And the power of labor to then negotiate what they're going to work for is greatly increased. And we have a situation where the technological developments that come along that would replace labor would no longer be feared, would no longer be opposed. They'd be welcomed. What? 
You've got a way to automatically pick strawberries. You've got a machine that automatically picks strawberries. Great. Now we don't have to work in the fields 14 hours a day bending over to pick strawberries. We can find something else to do to make money. Stoner Jesus is in the chat room bringing this up too about uh, how the uh, uh, Milton Friedman called this a negative income tax. Yeah. And there's some, there's really interesting economic theory behind this. The idea of just automatically grant everybody enough money to be able to survive the basics. And, and from my point of view, I would like to see some things ameliorated. Like I, I don't like seeing people standing on the sides of the freeway overpasses, desperate, haggard looking with cardboard signs telling me how awful their life is. And won't I just give them something? And I'm thinking, I give every year on April 15th, <laughs> every time I work, money is taken out. I give, I'm already giving and I'm not exactly a rich person. Why should I be giving more? We already give our taxes to make a society. Why does that society not then take care of the people so that we don't have to give more to them when they're standing on the freeway overpass? Anyway, stuff to think about. That's not necessarily marijuana related but you know here at the Russ Belville show I always like to say that this is a show for tokers by tokers but it's not always about toking we have opinions on everything and I think it's good for us to talk about other political things and to let people know that we're thinking more broadly than just our own issue of marijuana legalization stay tuned because coming up at the top of the hour five o'clock we got stoner Jesus the aforementioned commenter his show's coming up at 5 o'clock Pacific time. The Stoner Jesus Show, live from Stoner Heaven. To save your stony soul. Make sure you check that out. And then at 6 o'clock, the new episode of the Tommy Chong podcast here exclusively on CannabisRadio.com will be airing. Wednesday night, hump day. It's your best day to be tuning in here on CannabisRadio.com. Also coming up in the uh, rest of the week, we got more great guests coming up here on the Russ Belville Show. On tomorrow's show, it's our Cops Say Legalized Drug segment. We'll have another great speaker from Leap telling how their experience shows why we need to legalize all drugs. And then on Friday, we'll be speaking with Kevin McCormick. And then uh, next week, next week, we've got our regular shows on Monday and Tuesday. Monday, we've got Dr. Mitch Earlywine joining us. On Wednesday... I still have to work out the details here, but Wednesday, April 13th, we will probably, crossing my fingers, probably be coming to you live from the Moda Center, where the playoff-bound Portland Trailblazers, I believe they've clinched a playoff spot, I may be jumping ahead of myself, but the Portland Trailblazers are hosting the Denver Nuggets, and we will be there in a VIP suite for the party, Blazers versus Nugs. Uh, brought to us by 420 Games. So I'm crossing my fingers because I don't know if we'll be live there or if we'll be recording there. So stay tuned and watch my Twitter feed for more information. Then uh, on Thursday, we'll have uh, no show on Thursday because I will be in flight uh, making my way to Washington, D.C., where on Friday I'll be reporting to you from the Students for Sensible Drug Policy National Conference in Washington, D.C. That take place Friday and Saturday. 
Then on Sunday, making my way to New York City for Mark Kleiman's Cannabis Summit. Sunday and Monday, all the major reformers and major prohibitionists will be at that summit. And then the following Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from New York at the United Nations General Assembly Special Session. Stay tuned to my Twitter feed for all the details because a lot of this will be ad hoc as far as whether or not we get internet access, whether or not we can put the show together, and I'll just have to keep you posted. Stay tuned. We'll be back to close up shop and get ready for Stoner Jesus right after these two minutes worth of sponsor breaks. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 55 after the hour, getting ready for the Stoner Jesus Show coming up in just five minutes. And we leave you with one last story coming from the International Business Times. Miley Cyrus has not smoked pot in two months. Woo! <laughs> yeah, but the reason why is what I want to tell you. Um, Miley Cyrus is apparently in a relationship 
with her rumored fiance Liam Hemsworth. Liam, uh, he's the one in the is he the one in the Hunger Games? And the Chris is the one that's Thor, I think. Anyway, so she's in a relationship with a boy, and uh, he wanted her to stop smoking pot. He warned her, cut out on smoking pot, or he would end their relationship. Boo, boo, Liam Hemsworth, boo, calling on your girl to stop smoking pot. And worse, boo on Miley Cyrus for doing it. Miley Cyrus has vowed to change her lifestyle. According to the gossip website Radar Online, quote, she couldn't be possibly be happier. This is all his doing, of course. Uh, he has also quit with her. They're allowing themselves the occasional drink in the evenings. But aside from that, all recreational drug use is gone, hopefully for good. Miley's goal is to be THC free in a home drug test kit. And she says if she keeps up the good work, she'll be giving clear readings in a month. End quote. Ha. Oh, but the occasional drink's OK. Go ahead and have a drink. That's it's not as if they're doing drugs or anything. Jeez, Miley, you're doing so well for so long, and now you're promoting the drug that's more harmful. Yep, I had to quit weed, but the drinking's okay. I had to quit weed for a boy. I had to quit weed for a boy. Uh huh. She'll be back. Mark my words, she'll be back. She's just trying to uh, clean up her image because she's now. Uh, Got a gig with a Woody Allen uh, performance, Woody Allen movie. So yeah, we got to stop smoking pot so that the guy that married his stepdaughter wouldn't think badly of you. Hmm. Okay. That's all the time we got for today, but thanks for joining us here from our beautiful perch 26 floors above the south waterfront on the Willamette River in Portland, Oregon. Looking out at Mount Hood and Mount St. Helens, I'm Radical Russ. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down.